and the kids go to bed. Her second book was a relation to like bring you closer and be like, are you in your heart? Like, I'm like, oh my gosh. Welcome to Coffee Confessions. Happy Monday. Again, it feels weird saying happy Monday, given <laughs> right. the series. Um, I don't know. Ever since, like, we talked about doing this, like, mini-series, I swear I've seen so many more people be vocal about it. Maybe yeah. not necessarily on coffee, but on, like, Facebook and TikTok and all kinds of things. So we're excited to bring a um, story to you guys today, this Monday. <laughs> yeah, a survivor story at that. Yeah, talk about bravery, right? Um, so we're it's excited. It's so hard to like put that into word. Like I sound bad saying, like I feel bad saying excited, but um, well, I think as um, being friends with the person, it's kind of exciting to be like uh, like a proud excitement. Like I'm excited that you are um, ready to share with people what you went through and resources that you know of or like ex- your experience of getting out. So I think in that sense, it's exciting, but also in the same time, it's like nerve wracking and, and, um, and what else? Like nerve wracking and like, you're kind of like anxious hard, right? too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't want to be like, Oh yes, I'm so excited to, you know, spill the beans but also it's like I'm just super proud of you right like we're super proud of all of these people who are coming on to speak with us for one for like the courage to speak with us because that's not you know we're keeping it nameless and everything like that um but I think it's still very brave to come forward and tell your story about what happened and be vulnerable in that kind kind of way and then I think it's you know to survive something like that and be able to say like hey you can still have a good life afterwards. I think that's like a yeah. It's like it's like a good story of like courage and hope, right? Yeah. Like the best type of story. Yeah. So. And I would just say as like a disclaimer, like if you hear like obviously we have friends of friends of friends who listen to coffee. So if you listen to this story or a story next week or the week to follow, and you we're keeping these anonymous, so you could message us, but we're still not going to tell you like. You know, like, oh, that's so-and-so story. No, that is not our place to tell you. Our place is we have confidentiality with this person. So if you hear the story and you think, oh, I wonder if that is so-and-so and so-and-so, please respect the person who you may even think it is and might not be that person. But if you just have an incline inclination of that might be so-and-so, but just like, don't message them and be like, were you on mm-hmm. coffee? You know, like just kind of listen to the story and take it at face value um, because we're sharing these stories from our platform as help. Like we, these are not being like, this is not being shared to chastise the abuser or to um, make like open the wounds of these um, victims and have people flood their messages and be like, Hey, were you on that podcast talking about, you know, all this stuff? Like, just don't, don't do it. If you think you know who the person might be, which I doubt it, but also at the same time, like I said, friends of friends of friends of friends, Mm -hmm. listen to coffee. So, um, take it at 
face value. If you feel like it's something that can help somebody, we encourage you to share it. But also if you're like, I think I know who that person might be, just leave it at the, just leave it in your headphones. Okay. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, we just don't want, uh, they're doing something very brave by speaking up and even, you know, even though they're anonymous, it's still very scary for these people. All right. Here goes our first survivor story. We're very, I just want to say I'm so, so grateful for you coming on here and speaking with us. Um, I couldn't be more proud to know you, to be your friend. I couldn't be more um, amazed at what you've survived and what you've gone through. Um, so I'm, I'm going to let you take take the mic. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so, uh Gosh, I'm trying to think of where to begin because it was seems like a whole lifetime ago. But, um, well, I guess the story really starts at 15. I met my ex-husband um, at school. We were high school sweethearts. Mm-hmm. He was a year older than me. And, uh, you know, just kind of started as, you know, the typical high school fling. You know, we, you know texted each other all the time, called each other, things like that. Um, didn't take him long to meet my folks and for me to meet his. Um, but, uh, you know, early on, I didn't really catch a lot of red flags that I probably should have in hindsight. But, of course, that's always 2020. Um, it, it started pretty slow, pretty gradual. Um, yeah. It would first be like, Um, he would get really jealous if, you know, I spoke to like my male friends at first and I'm like, okay, let me respect, you know, this boundary, cool, whatever. But then it migrated to my female friends and I'm like, okay, why is this an issue? And so again, respecting this boundary, I limited my access to my friends essentially, um, which you know, it was, it was about that time, you know, I had a part-time job anyway, so that kind of filled up my time, you know, I did see them less and less, you know, spent more time at my job. And you you guys are still dating at this point? Yes. Yes. So, you know, didn't, didn't really think much of it. I had a lot of life changes around this time. Uh, Lost my grandfather, who was very close to me. Um, You know, my parents had divorced at this time and, you know, just a lot going on. So it was like, Even though um, these were like early signs that, hey, you need to run for the hills. A lot of that was just kind of glazed over because I was just going 100 miles in the opposite direction just with life anyway. And he was there and comforting me. So it was like, oh, okay, you know, (laughs) this isn't as bad as I'm imagining it to be. Yeah. Um, Fast forward about mm, about two years. I'm 17 at this point. Um. You know, my mom had already divorced my brother's father at this point. Um, you know, we're we're living in an apartment with her. And, um, you know, she's working several jobs just to keep us afloat on top of me uh, dropping out of high school, uh, working full time at this point to kind of help support my mom and my brother. Um, now my boyfriend has moved in with us because he is over the age of 18 and, you know, he's doing his own thing. Yeah. Um, you know, at this point, the isolation started to migrate to my family. Yeah. Um, he didn't like me spending 
as much time as I did with my cousins, who I consider my siblings. We all grew up very close together. Um, Yeah. And, uh, you know, and he would just have a big issue with me spending the weekend at my aunt's house, you know, like, oh, you're 17. Why are you spending the night? You're practically an adult kind of a thing. And I'm like, well, it's my family. I'm going to spend time with right. my, my, younger, <laughs> my younger cousins, you know? Um, so yeah, it started going off from that. Um, at this time, we also had some relationship issues because um, he wasn't faithful. And, you know, just me being me, you know, I just um, try to cling on to that because that was, in my mind, the only bit of stability I had mm-hmm. in a relationship at the time. So I was trying, you know, what I could to make it work and, you know, things like that. So we moved past it in our own way. Um, Then fast forward again, we get engaged and then subsequently married. He's off going to basic training at this point. You know, I'm. So how long have you guys dated at this point? Uh, Like how? That's a good question. Hold on. (laughs) We've dated at like uh, four years at this point. Okay. You know, a good while. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's off to basic. I'm moving in with relatives that I'm not really too close with to kind of keep up with him, you know, to be close to him when he's in BCT, AIT, all that jazz. Um, So I am completely removed from my family, my friends, the only place I've known is home. Yeah. And, you know, this continues to fester into, um, you know, more emotional, you know, abuse. You know, a lot of gaslighting and, you know, controlling assets like money. And, of course, I didn't work at the time because, of course, I I quit to move to be closer to him. Yeah. And Had had any of your family picked up on any flags? Had they they noticed anything? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course, you know, when you're you're 18 and on your own, you think you know everything. Right. You really do. And you're like, no, I have control of my life. I really do. You really don't. (laughs) You really truly don't. (laughs) Rarely anybody does. Hey, even at 30, I still don't feel like I truly do. Hey, so, I, you know, <laughs> exactly. But, um, you know, um, so yeah, he, he did a great job isolating me from everybody that I knew. He soured relationships between me and my family, you know, and all me and my friends. I didn't have anybody to talk to except for the relatives I lived with. Um, it was very lonely. And uh, he was still out and having this freedom and doing whatever he wanted. Um, you know, blowing money. And then of course would get upset with me whenever I would get necessities with right. uh, money. Um, you know, just doing things like that. Like I said, he was gaslighting a lot, um, trying to twist the narrative on me frequently. It was really distressing to be honest. Cause it was like, you go through the, the motions of confusion, like why is he treating me this way? And then am I really, um, you know, am I really in the wrong? Yeah, and when you I say that, times, you tend to believe it, yeah. you know, like I, like I did this, I caused this situation. Exactly. And of course it was always provoked whenever I would try to stand up for myself. So it was like, oh, I'm causing this reaction. It must be me. Right. I must be the problem, you know? Um, so of course that uh, manifested into a really deep depression for me. And, um, you know, we just kind of, kind of stuck through it. We threatened the divorce, you know, the D word (laughs) all the time to one another was completely unhealthy. Um, 
Did he, oh, so would he ever say that to you? Or like, if you threatened to leave, he would? Both, both. It, it became very volatile, you know, because I mean, you know, you know, me just being around me, I, I say what's on my mind. I really don't have a filter a lot of the times. Yeah. You know, if, if I'm thinking something, I'm going to tell you and be very forthcoming about something. I'm very transparent. You know, right. I don't like beating around the bush, you know, because misconceptions are, they can be so toxic, you know, and um, so, you know, just me being me, you know, telling them what was up. Hey, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you um, in all your bluntness. <laughs> thank you. And I love you too for that, for, for dealing with it. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, not a lot can handle that kind of flavor. So I appreciate it. Um, You're a good kind of ice cream. <laughs> plus, thank you. So, um, you know, we, we moved on uh, to our own place. Um, and at that point, um, once he and I were alone in a house together, just the two of us, 24-7, that's when things started going downhill. Um, we moved... And of course, the first thing on my mind is, okay, I need to get a job. You know, like I, I need to do something to help sustain us because, you know, I'm seeing the way he's going for our money and, you know, this isn't a way to live. I can't live off bologna and ramen, you know? Yeah. Um, it was starting to affect my health. Like it was, um, you know, like my cholesterol was going out of whack, things like that. And I was only 19. Right. And and how like, far were you guys away people? from your family at that point? Oh, we were about eight to 10 hours. Oh, so a good ways. It wasn't just like around yeah. the corner. Yeah. No, no, unfortunately not. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, he kind of just do his day to day thing, whatever. Um, I would kind of be on my own at the house by myself until um, I made friends with a few neighbors, um, which fortunately I did. Um, yeah. because once, once it got to that point where it was just like, um, out of fever pits, um, you know, uh, it, it started getting physical between him and I. Yeah. And, um, once it got to that point, um, I, uh, I began, uh, planning my own suicide. Yeah. Like I was actively searching for ways to preserve my body. So when my mother and my brother would get to me, oh. I wouldn't be so decomposed and unrecognizable. Girl, you break my heart. So this is like, this is the state of mind you get in when yeah. you feel like you're at your lowest low. You know, I was, I was unmedicated, didn't have a therapist at the time. It was like, I felt I had zero support. And of course, you know, my ex-husband, he wasn't, he wasn't going to be that support for me. Yeah. So, um, you know, when I got to that point, I kind of just like sat there and I was like, no, no. And I just thought about it. I said, no, why, why does he deserve so much of me when he doesn't give me a fraction of that back? Yeah. You know, why, why does this man who hurt me and then say that he loves me in the same breath? Like, no, I'm, I'm not giving my life for that. Yeah. You know, like metaphorically or literally. Yeah. And it just like, it was like something in my mind just clicked that day. It just switched. It just flipped on. And I was like, I'm fucking done. I am yeah. done. 
And you guys I were like, what, five, five years in or so now? Yep, five years in at this point. And, um, you know, we went through a lot together between that. Um, I also suffered my first miscarriage uh, within this period. There's a lot of things that uh, yeah. we have gone through together and also as individuals. And, um, you know, so it was it was a lot. And at this point, like I said, I was only 19. Yeah, that's very, very colorful uh, introduction to life. We'll just say right. that. Yes, um, girl. Oh, my gosh. But, um, you know, and this isn't to say that um, it was my first time leaving either. There there were times where I loved them multiple times. Really? Like, yeah. Like, I would say, Mom, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm coming home. Go through the motions. I'd stay there. But then, of course, when I would get to my mother's house, it was, oh, I promise I'll do couples therapy. I promise I'll go to individual therapy as well. And, you know, all these empty promises because he knew what to say to manipulate me to get me to come back. Right. And instead of me waiting for him to do the legwork before coming back, I would just, I was a hop skipping away. I was just ready and eager. Because I mean, five like, years is a lot, though. Like, I can yeah. I can see why you would. It's just like, yeah. you know, I've done five years with him. Like, we're just going to fix it now from here. Yeah, it's like you feel like you're just so invested in this relationship. You've given so much emotionally and physically and, you know, even spiritually. Like, you right. dumped so much into this relationship. It's like you want to salvage what, you, what you're familiar with, what you're comfortable with. And right. a lot of the times, you know, I would go back because it was familiar to me. Yeah. Starting a new life was scary. I would start with nothing again. Yeah, especially at such mm-hmm. a, a young age. Like, mm-hmm. to live through so much at such a young age and then be like, oh, this is yeah. what I have to start with again. <laughs> yeah. I so, can't imagine. I, d- I did go back a couple times. and uh, But that one day, just like I said, when I was just sitting there with the ideation, it just, that, that flip, you know, it was just in an instant. I was like, no, no more. I am, I am tired. Right. I am so tired. And, um, you know, I, uh, I did get the MCs involved at the time and I moved in with one of my neighbors who became one of my closest friends and they didn't expect anything from me. Uh, they said, Hey, you stay here as long as you need. Don't pay us a dime. We will take care of you. You are our family. Yeah. I mean, the army family truly is a family. Right. People. Mm-hmm. And um, I was so grateful for that because had I not been separated out of the house, probably wouldn't have left. Yeah. And, and how then, did how did he how did he handle you leaving? Well, I told him I said, "Look, I'm changing the locks. I'm dropping your gear off at your battle's house. Um, start the paperwork. I'm done." Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he didn't take it well. Um, (laughs) there were, there were some times where he came up to my neighbor's house and started strutting across that yard like he was going to do something. Oh, goodness. And, uh, my, my neighbor's husband, he had to go outside and meet him. And he says, no, this is my house. You're not to set foot in my house. You are not talking to her. She doesn't want to talk to you. So, and then, you know, once I got the MPs involved, um, I had to notify them when he was coming so they could meet him at the house to get things. 
Well, I'm so glad you had a safe space. Like, yeah. I just couldn't imagine. I just couldn't imagine you saying, like, <laughs> not I couldn't imagine not knowing privilege. you. <laughs> no. <laughs> and it's fine. I mean, some days I, I feel the same way, too, because it's like, since then, um, you know, my life has been a complete 360. Um, you know, I'm in a very substantial relationship that sustains me and sustains, you know, our our passion for one another. Um, we just celebrated 10 years together last oh, month. And I'm so proud of you guys. And I'm going to cry. <laughs> You're good. Like, I I'm going to cry. So and, you know, we have three beautiful, wonderful children together. One of them is my stepchild, my bonus child. And then we have two of our own. Um, and believe me, uh, if you had asked me that day that I was Googling how to preserve my own body, that, hey, in 10 years from now, you're going to you're gonna be a mom, you're going to be a wife again, and you're going to be well taken care of and well, you know, well fed in the soul. I wouldn't have believed you. I would have laughed in your face. Yeah, I can see it. I can just you know? be at the lowest of low and then just yes. the life you have now is just, that's what I say. It just blows my mind when I, when I found out, when I yeah. found out that you had gone through that, I was just like, no way like this yeah. person this person like how but it's just your story is just amazing like it's amazing and it gives me I'm so honored to be your friend <laughs> I really am and I'm just so I'm so proud of you and I think I think your story if it if it doesn't encourage anybody it encourages me just in myself like it's just it's amazing and I think you know that so many people are so quick to and easy to say and Cody yeah. and I, you know, we talked about it and it's, it's easy just to say like, oh, just up and leave, just up and go, oh you my know, gosh, whether it's, yeah. if it's emotional or physical or whatever, it's just up and leave, but it's not, like you said, you had five it's, years with this man. Truly isn't. And, um, you know, and I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I have a friend in a similar situation, granted, um, he has a child involved and, you know, the, uh, you know, his female partner is the perpetrator in this. So it's like, I'm kind of helping him work through kind of where I was, where I was unpacking things. And I'm not telling them, hey, leave. I told them yeah. I would like to see you leave. I would like to see you grow and flourish. You know, you and your daughter both deserve that. However, um, I'm going to tell you, if you don't go the first time, don't, like, if, if anybody, not even just my friend in this situation, if anybody is listening right now and you find yourself in a similar situation, do not feel ashamed. Yeah. If you ever doubt leaving, if you ever leave and then come back, there is no shame in that. Yeah. Because people who do this to others, people who gaslight, manipulate, narcissistic abusers, they have their way of doing it. Yeah. And that is not something that you're at fault for. That's not something that you can control. The only thing that you can control is your response. And if it's not perfect, so what? Yeah. There is no manual on this. There is no instruction booklet on this. It's and so I can guarantee that you are going to struggle with it, just as we all do, that go through it. But I do also promise you the hardest thing is leaving. The most dangerous time is leaving. It truly is. How long so, after you left, like, did he stop, like stop coming to the doors, stop? 
Um, well, I stayed with those friends about a month and about half that time. Like once I started, yeah, um, it was about two weeks straight, uh, you know, blowing up my phone. I had to get like a burner phone so I could like be left alone to process everything. Um, you know, uh, you know, but like once I left, I, I literally did not look back and fortunate for me, he didn't know where my mom's new address was, you know, so I could like leave in peace. Didn't have to worry about him following me. Um, and I felt secure and safe, um, until I got on my feet and literally, (laughs) like, I know I told you this story, but I met my current husband on vacation three months after that divorce was finalized. That's what I was about to ask. Like, how long after did you meet him? Because, like, I think that, you know, I think that's a hard part. Once you finally leave, it's kind of like now I'm stuck in this limbo of, like, what do I do? Like, you know, will I ever be happy again? And that's why I love you so much because, like, 10 years later, three beautiful babies, your relationship is glowing. You are glowing. Like, I know you and you have a smile on you all the time. I'm like, how is this girl happy all the time? I know. You're, you're so cheerful. And I'm telling you, I, I feel very fortunate because I almost lost all of that. I truly did. And, um, this is why I, um, you know, when I'm speaking to you guys, my friends, um, you know, I, I try to speak as candidly as I can because this is the thing that is so stigmatized and it shouldn't be. Yeah. 100%. And I don't, I don't want people to feel like their story isn't worthy of being discussed because they've gone through less than I or, you know, they've gone through something completely different than I, you know, but right. it, you know what I mean? It's this is this is something that needs to be normalized because it does happen and it happens a lot more frequently than we'd like to think. Yep. Um, especially in our community, our circle, um, you know, being military and stuff because of how isolating our, you know, our lives are. Yeah. It can be. That's um, exactly what we thought. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I want to, you know, it is still painful to talk about. I still work through some of the trauma, you know, I'm still speaking to a therapist even today. Um, you know, but if, if my voice can amplify somebody else, yeah. if my voice can give somebody the confidence to even think about or consider, you know, like, or reevaluate even, like, I'm trying to find the right word, um, you know, just what's going on in their life. And if, if they're truly in a safe place or, you know, is this something that I can salvage? Can I work on this with my partner? Can we, can we do anything to yeah. salvage it or is it time to go? Yeah. You know, I would like to lend my voice to help them in any sort of way. I think it's a, I think it's a, an amazing story. So I'm going to, um, I guess just a few questions would be like, how, how did you, how were you able to walk into a new relationship? Like, I know oh. your, your, your past haunts you, right? It, it just yeah. things that happen. So how are you able to walk into a new relationship and kind of find the beauty in the life that you now have? Well, I will say the one thing that I did, and I told myself after I lost my ex-husband, was no expectations. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I need to respect are my boundaries and what I value, you know, yep. in a relationship and a partner. Um, If I find that with someone, 
great, but don't expect anything else because you don't know what the outcome is going to be. Right. I love and I'm that. not chasing another pipe dream. I'm not. I refuse. You don't have to chase one. You have a fairy tale right now. <laughs> You've got a <laughs> I great love one. Tale, but however, you know, like, you know, and even when me and my, my current husband started our relationship, there was still a lot of what ifs yeah. or what's going to happen. Right. You know, and that, that kind of went to the excitement a little bit too, because it was like, you know, okay, can we make this work? And, you know, like, how do we coexist with one another? You know, and just all these questions that, you know, of course were answered later on, but. So did he kind of know the situation going into it? Like, were you like, Hey, Um, I just left this. I don't, I'm not looking for this. Yeah. And, um, what was it? Uh, and he, uh, was going through his own divorce at the time too. So it was like, he understood and I felt like I was seen. Right. And it wasn't like taboo. It wasn't like, oh, this is a, you know, a fresh new divorcee. And, you know, like, I got to tread lightly here. <laughs> it was, you know, like, I'm divorced. You're divorced. We recognize this. And we understand that, you know, that we are building our own relationship. We're not having expectations set from our previous partners. This is just us. Right. I love it. I love it. What is, um, from an outsider looking in, what are some things that like, like I know the common phrase is just leave. Like I know nobody wants to hear that. So what would you say is a phrase that would have like maybe encouraged you or helped you versus just like, just leave type thing? That is hard because of course, you know, that's all I heard. Right. But, um, you know, someone in my situation is okay are you in any sort of danger first and foremost? Okay. If so, of course, you know, you need to do what you can in order to preserve yourself first. Right. If you're not, because of course these uh, instances of abuse um, are a lot more difficult when someone is not in immediate danger, because of course then it goes into the gaslighting and the self doubt and all that jazz. And um, at that point I'd be like, okay, well, more often than not, how happy are you truly? Right. And what does this person do to enrich you? What do they give versus what do they take? Exactly. Like, is this a substantial relationship? What are you receiving out of this as well? I know what you give, but what do you get? Right. You know, um, and in that case, you know, you know, I tell them, Hey, maybe talk to a therapist, you know, like see what, see what you can discover from an outsider's perspective. That's not biased. Right. It's always my first go-to. I will be the first one to tell you, Hey, seek therapy. It's wonderful. Yeah. And that shouldn't be taboo either. Yeah. Oh, hundred you know? percent. I agree. I, mean, I agree. You know, I've got my friends that I talk to, but also I've got my therapist too, because you know, my trouble shouldn't be burning, burdening rather my friends either. Right. Like the real heavy stuff. Um, You know, I like giving you as an example, I don't expect you to fix my problems. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Now, obviously you do listen. You let me vent. So I don't boil it. (laughs) And I appreciate that so much. Um, But, you know, you're not my therapist. You're my friend. And I'd like to keep that relationship as just friends, you know, just, you know, I can enjoy your company. And likewise, you know, so, um, but yeah, no, I would, I always recommend therapy to my friends that I know that are kind of going through something like this. 
Good um, and then when it goes to that point and like they're ready to get out, I always recommend preparing what I call a go bag. And a go bag is a special little handy bag that you can like keep in your car or keep in your office if you work, things like that. Usually in my go bag, you know, mentally I would be putting vital records, marriage yeah. licenses, birth certificates, whatever have you, social security card, passport things like that. Um, bank statements or information, credit cards, yada, yada, you get it. Yeah. Um, also, um, sometimes like in my case, you need a burner cell. Yeah. And they're very accessible now than they were 10 years ago. You know, you can just go to Walmart. Yep. Very true. Now, um, you know, back, back then I had to like reestablish like through <laughs> a cell phone carrier. <laughs> Uh, it was it was a nightmare. So because I had to physically go to the store and trying to be sneaky about it was really hard. So you know, that. what would um, you say is a um? What would you say is like major red flags? Like somebody who maybe you know, kind of like when you were going into your relationship, like yeah. the biggest red flags that you would say, like maybe your top five red flags that you should reevaluate this relationship. Okay. Yes. Um. Like I said, it didn't start right away. They started very subtly, so they are hard to miss most times. Right. But any sort of isolation tactic where, you know, they're trying to limit your access to loved ones or friends, or they're trying to control your time with other people, that's that's a big one. And that's very common. And it can come in big or small gestures. Um, also, you know, uh, limiting access to money or necessities. Yeah. Another big one, like say you guys are a one car family and he's limiting your access to the car. If you have like, say a doctor's appointment just because like That's for no, I don't think, reason, I don't think I know? would have ever picked that out either. Yeah. Like something like that. Or, you know, of course the obvious one being money, but like little things like, like uh, transportation is one that a lot of people miss. Yeah. Because, of course, the abuser wants to justify what they need the car for, even if it was already pre-planned that you already needed the transportation and you guys already set it out. Yeah. Um, that's another one. Uh, I would say, like, also limiting access to social media because, of course, like, if you're in an isolated situation like I was, literally Facebook was, like, how I talked to family. Right. And, like, stayed up to date with everybody. Um, he didn't really, my ex-husband didn't really limit my access to that, fortunately, but, um, he did make me block old friends yeah. and things like that. So that could be a, one way of limiting access. Um, it was just like controlling, controlling aspects of your social life like that is really what I'm getting at. It's, it's um, a big piece. I mean, if you don't have anybody yeah. to reach for help, I think that's, exactly. I think that's it, huge. Very isolating. Also, limiting your access to work and your own means of getting, you know, financial uh, support for yourself. Yeah. That was one thing that was really big with my ex-husband. I was not permitted to work or go to college. Wow. Yep. Because he was that jealous that I would, quote, unquote, find someone else. He was that insecure <laughs> with himself. I know, right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. It was it was a big thing. So wow. I know it's not five, but those were like the four top ones that always stuck out to me that were really bad. Things um, that you brushed off. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, I guess number five would be limiting, you know, what you say to other people in public. 
Oh, that's a good one. Controlling conversation because I just thought of that now because that was one thing I also noticed. If we went out with his friends, because let's face it, I never went out with my friends. Right. You know, we would always go out with his battles, whatever. Um, you know, if I tried to joke, because you know, I love to joke. I want to, <laughs> like, that's like, that's my biggest coping mechanism is like just being funny <laughs> and being silly and laughing at myself. Taking that moment to laugh at myself. And I would make an offhand joke and I would get like this death stare. And I wouldn't even be looking at him to know that he did. I could just feel him staring a hole through my, oh my face. Gosh. And it was like, it would get so tense and uncomfortable and awkward that I would just completely shut down the rest of the meal. Yeah. I that I was just imagine. Like, okay. So, um, yeah, I guess that would be like my top five. That I think those are huge. Awesome I think those are huge things that you might just little yeah. like, oh, I need the car for this, but I already had a yeah. plan. Like you wouldn't even think of that. Like you wouldn't. Yeah. I don't think it like I don't think it would be a major red flag for me to see until you put it in that mm-hmm. perspective. And now I'm like, yeah. oh, <laughs> Mark, you better give me my car. <laughs> like Jesus, where's my keys? <laughs> yeah, where's my keys? Where's my spare key? As a matter. Yeah, that. like, but it's it's not hard to get into that pit. Yeah. It's very I think it's hard like for that. you to to get out too, right? Yeah. So how would you say yeah. how long do you think it and I know like you still talk to a therapist and you know there's still things that you're dealing with, but how long would you say that it took you to get like on hmm. solid ground where you kind of weren't like looking over your shoulder all the time like is he there? Is he there type thing? Well, I know that we still lived um relatively close to him when me and my current husband got together mm. so I know once he pcs I did feel a little bit more at ease but I would say it probably was like the first like year and a half yeah because it's also it's not even just like him but also it's me trying to psych my own brain out and say look he's not there yeah, it's fine. And you're in a very safe and stable place now. Yeah, it's okay. And it's okay to let your guard down. Like it was a lot of affirmations that I have to tell myself, like, like, you know, just, just calm down. It's okay. Like, you're in a safe place. And of right. course, uh, other reminders would be like, look, he is not your ex husband either. You know, yeah. because like yeah. sometimes I look at my current husband, and be like, damn, this is too good to be true. Right, like, right. Now, 10 years later, I'm like, in this, like, I'm like how did this happen? Aww. Like, really? Are you real? Like, I'm gonna, I feel like I'm going to wake up and it's going to be a cruel joke and it's going to be all a dream. I and think yeah, that's I think- like my favorite part of your story, though, is that you were <laughs> able to like, because I know a lot of people, they, I'm just going to stay single or they, you know, yeah. don't give love another chance or something like that. And I think that's like my, my favorite part of your story is that seeing you guys 10 years later and just like, you just get stronger every day. Like you do. Yeah. And I can see, you know, I can see from the time I met you to the more you speak up about your situation um, today. Like, I mean, you're sharing it with so many people and like, I just think that's, I think it's so brave. I think it's like the bravest thing you could ever do. So I, if you had to give one one word of hope or one word of encouragement or like one thing to somebody who's listening that may be in the situation, what would be your best, best thing? Um, probably what I said earlier, like, you know, being, being in the situation, it, it often brings a lot of shame 
and a lot of guilt because when you do recognize it, you're just like, why am I still here? Like, what am I doing? Yeah. But truly, you're just like being torn at the scene because you're going between, I love this person. I do care about this person. And this person's not good for me. Yeah. This person's literally going to keep hurting me. Um, so I guess my best word of advice is, you know, there's no shame in this and being in this situation. Um, but there are resources that can help and help in a safe way. If you are in a situation that is detrimental to your well-being. Yeah. Um, there are definitely free programs that are widely available in most states that can and do help. And especially being in this community, if I'm talking to any of my other middle school sisters um, out there, or even my brothers, my my middle school brothers as well. Right. If you guys are listening. Um, you know, our... You know, our community does have resources that come mostly at no cost. And I mean, if you are willing to take that first step, just to even talk, or if you're in a safe place where you can take that first step, I mean, I promise, like, it, it will be hard getting your feet going. But once you're out, I mean, you have so much potential to live a very beautiful life and a very, um, a very promising life. Yeah, yeah and really. if you're if you're not a walking testimony of that, I don't know what it is. Honestly, like it's so. just it's amazing. But I want to thank you so much. So, like, girl, you know, it's beyond beyond words for me to say thank you for coming mm-hmm. on here and sharing your story. I know how hard it is for you, yeah. um, but I think it's amazing. You're an amazing survivor. You're an amazing person and mother. And we just couldn't be more grateful for you coming on and speaking with us today. Thank you, and thank you for having me, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about it and in my own my own space where I was comfortable I Absolutely. That. that was like my biggest thing I was like I I know you and I know your passion to help and you know your passion to share and raise awareness but I also know like it's trauma and it's scary and it's sad and I we never want to cross that line so the fact that you were you were just willing to come on and share your story it was just Cody and I couldn't couldn't thank you enough wow you guys what what a story. I cannot even, I can't even imagine to place myself in the shoes of her and the story that she just told. And we're so thankful for your bravery and for coming on to bring with us. Uh, I don't think there's words to express our gratitude because um, while it might be scary to share these things there, I'm so confident that this was placed on our heart for a reason to share and that, you know, you, you might not realize it now, but I have full confidence that somebody will listen to this podcast or the podcast to come and hopefully it plants a little seed of courage. Hopefully, hopefully a little bit of, um, inspiration inspires you. I, it's just, it's amazing to, we know these women, like we know these women and we may have not known them during these times, but like to see the woman, these people are now, it's just like, you would have never, ever thought unless they like told you, you would have never thought. And it's just, it's also sad to think like how many women are going through this, right? Like I just like my heart aches, like God forbid it was ever me or you or our girls. Like we have three girls. Like it would, 
you know, obviously we know like our husbands would be on the doorstep and in prison like in a minute, <laughs> but, but it's just, it's just such a, just wow. Wow. Yeah. I get chills talking about it. Cause right. I'm just like, Oh, I love this. Well, you never so know dearly. what somebody's suffering behind closed doors a lot of time. And I think that's something that we can all take into account is while I live a very beautiful, safe life with my husband, you know, this, this is something that plagues the military community and your next door neighbor, your neighbor across mm-hmm. the street, the lady you met at FRG, the girl you bumped into at the commissary. We just never know. And I think it's a good reminder to always treat everybody with kindness because you don't know what they're going home mm-hmm. to, you know? And as a woman, I just don't know how anybody could listen to these stories and sit idly and not be a voice for, for this, this problem that's happening. But I hope that with the upcoming two more episodes that we have planned for you guys, that we light a spark in you. You know, we always, like we've always said, we talk about human trafficking. We talk about things that were happening in the military because we can't face these issues alone. So we I was want, just going to say yeah. the same thing. Like, I think it's a good, you know how we're always making jokes like, oh, no, you never make friends at the new base. It takes you forever. But I think that's like a, another good reason to kind of like, push you and give you that motivation because what if something happened regardless if it was like for you or that friend knowing each other and having somebody like local to be like a safe space for you is something that I think a lot of because we're military and we move around and nobody has it I think a lot of women just sit in silence even more because it's like well, who am I going to tell? Right. I've got nowhere to go, no one to talk yeah. to, nothing. Or and who's going like, to believe me? I don't exactly. know her. Why, why would she believe me? Yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. I said yes, in the, last week's episode, those wives pages, man, they will take. They will do some shitty I was things, on but one. they will. One girl had posted, and I was like, I'm pretty sure the Dixie Chicks taught us all what to do when this problem arises in the 90s. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you listen to country music, Goodbye Earl, they taught us all. But, I mean, obviously – you know, a domestic violence survivor is really not in that headspace. But on that wife's page, they were like, girl, um, I think he ran into my car on accident. Wow. And other girls were like, <laughs> I, I think I lost my shovel. Man, I have a lot of land. And it was so, you know, if that was something I was going through, granted, like it wasn't very helpful. But to know that, like, I bet, you know, I could reach out to one of these women and they would be mm-hmm. like, come to my house. Like, obviously I'm not going to kill your husband. It's just like, uh, you know, as a woman, like when you see other women hurt, you're like, I'll fucking kill him. Like yep. knowing that we won't, but it's like, I'll fucking kill him. We could try, but exactly. <laughs> might not do much damage. Exactly. We're a very small person. <laughs> um, but I think that's why it's important, you know, and I know I always call myself myself paranoid, but it's like the basic things, right? Like people, well, um, for instance, Gabby Petito, right? Like knowing yeah. where you are, she always sent, I think they said like every morning, wasn't it? Or something like that, that she always texted her parents, letting them know like where she was and what she was doing. And, you know, like when those texts stop coming and yeah. people get curious and you start right. asking questions, right? If Cody doesn't yeah. hear from me for three days, <laughs> she's going to ask questions. If she doesn't hear from me for one day, she's going to ask questions. I'm and- that way with my mom, even. Like yeah. my mom started dating and I'm, I kid you not, like when she started going on dates with these people, I'd be like, send me a selfie of you. And then even then that she'd send me a selfie and I'd be like, well, what if somebody forced you to take this picture? Tell me my birthday. <laughs> okay. Well, right. You know. A safe word. And that's always a good thing too. have like a safe word. And it's so much harder because it's like, well, this is my husband. You wouldn't, you know, but yeah, if I'm but- not caught, it, it might be my husband, but if I'm not calling you in here shortly, yeah. like somebody's kind of like, yeah. mm, this is 
at our moms every day. Like, yeah. like something's off, something's weird. So we hope these stories – we know this episode isn't super, super long, but we really don't know what much to say, like, after hearing such a story. Like, yeah. it's a survivor, and it's just like – Wow, and a survivor was such a beautiful life afterwards, you know. And, yes. and I think a lot of people they get stuck in these relationships, and they're like, they're like traumatized and they're manipulated, and so they think like, well, who's ever going to want me after this? Because I think society sometimes look at these women like, oh, you're weak. You're, you, yeah. you let a man do this to you, or you know, they usually have children or something. And it's like, just to see like it doesn't always have to end badly like there are you there are resources you will find the courage you just have to muster it up out of you and I think hearing it I think it's easy to watch a movie and say oh you can get out of domestic violence it's like yeah well also like movies show me that I could go to the grocery store with my kids and survive and it doesn't really feel like (laughs) most times that I do it so it's like to hear it like Felicia and I are just regular girls who are women who started this podcast a year ago, almost two, just, you know, and our podcast, while it's not huge, it's getting, it's, it's a platform. And so I find comfort in knowing like we have these women coming on and if, if we are vouching for them, like you can be damn sure that if, if these women can do it, you can do it too. Mm -hmm. And, and that's just kind of the message we want to send. We don't want to, you know, um, what's, what's the word? It starts with an E. Uh, <laughs> a lot of women That wasn't do- enough hints for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we're not just like, we're not just like, hey, you have a great story. Let me come use it for content. Like we're, we're telling these stories because we have full faith in that they will help somebody. And we may never know who they will help, but yeah. – just to know like that these women were brave enough to come and speak with us and share it with you guys. Um, we're really, really hoping that it resonates with somebody. And like I said, we may never know you and you never have to tell us if it was you. Um, <clears throat> I can imagine this is something very private that people keep to themselves. Yeah, for sure. So do not feel like obligated to be like, Hey, that series helped me. If it did, and you're comfortable sharing, we want to hear it. But also at the same time, we value and respect your privacy. So if it's something that you listen to and it helps you, then we will give all the praise to these women and to God for placing mm-hmm. it on our heart to share this. Um, but going forward, like I'm really excited to hear the next two stories. And next, like, like, like I said, like, I know. Said, it's weird to say excited, but excited. But I think they're kind of like, <clears throat> I, well, I hope they're different enough for you guys that you can like, well, that's not my situation at all. And then maybe this one is, maybe yeah. this one you relate to a little bit more. Maybe it happened a little bit more to your storyline. And yeah. it's just kind of, I don't or think even if it's survivor. just a feel good or if it's just a yeah. feel good story, you know, that you needed to hear. I needed to hear, I needed something that gave me hope again and yeah. hopefully, you know, inspires you. Yeah. But we will catch you next week, guys. We hope, like you said, this was encouraging and that you enjoy the rest of this mini series. Well, that was our confession for this week. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media to catch the latest. Hashtag spill the coffee.